Miami Hurricane fans. This is Christopher Stock, and I'm here with David Lake, and this is the Inside the U podcast. We're back with our second episode of the Inside the U podcast. Hopefully everyone enjoyed last week's episode. Thanks for all for everyone for checking that out, and uh, we'll keep that going. Uh, you can, If you missed it, you can check it out on InsideTheU.com. Also on the site, we got plenty of player articles. We do a football insider piece. Uh, for those who haven't checked that out, it's, it's uh, information on the team, news and notes, injury updates. Maybe some moves on depth charts, talking to coaches, and like I said, talking to players. So we do that. And also on the site, we always have recruiting updates on the latest players, uh, you know, what, what they're saying about Miami and, you know, things like that. And also you can find us on Twitter at InsideTheU. Uh, so be sure to add that to your Twitter account if you don't have it. And let's just get, get right into it. You know, Miami's coming off a 45-0 win over Bethune-Cookman in their season opener. Uh, a lot of good signs in, in terms of, you know, uh, they, the defense held Bethune down and, uh, you know, scored touchdowns. A lot of guys played, and um, it was just a, it just a interesting. It was just great to see college football back. Yeah, I think, you know, it's always good when uh, the defense can get a shutout. I mean, I know it's Bethune-Cookman. It's an FCS opponent. So you all got to take it with a, a, a grain of salt, so to speak, that, you know, it's it's not the, the stiffest competition, but Miami handled their business. The offense found a rhythm after the lightning delay, and the defense, uh, first, second, and third teams, uh, managed to help to hold Bethune out of the end zone. So I think those are just some, some quick positive signs. Uh, I guess, what, what were some things that, that you liked, Chris, in particular, that you saw in the well, game? Well, some of the things, well, first off, I, I have a hard time... Uh, you know, with the, evaluating the game in the sense, like you said, it's an FCS opponent. I, I don't put a whole lot of uh, stock into it. Um, but, but the, yeah, you want to see guys play well. I think that's just important anytime, any opponent you play, even though it's a lesser team. But, I mean, just starting off, I mean, Cornelder and Rashawn Scott, those were the two uh, big-time playmakers in my mind that had great games. And uh, with Corn, it was, you know, David, you talked about him last week. You thought he'd be a breakout player this season. Yeah. You, you definitely called that as far as how he started. But the thing that's interesting with, with Corn is he had to, you know, Stacy Coley or Braxton Barrios got the first punt return, and then Stacy Coley would have got in there. But they both got hurt, and it kind of opened the door for Corn, and he took advantage. And now it looks like there's no reason for him to, to switch off that role. Yeah, I didn't necessarily imagine Corn would make as big of an impact on special teams against Bethune because. Like you said, he was kind of far down on the depth chart there with returns, but he got his opportunity and, you know, returned two touchdowns. One was called back, um, but he certainly made his plays on defense as well. I thought he did a good job in coverage. He had a nice pass breakup on a on a kind of a deep ball where, where he made a play on a ball and, and almost came up with it. And uh, he also had a sack in the game. And, uh, you know, it's just good to see him make plays. And like you said, Rashawn Scott, that touchdown pass was was beautiful. The way he was able to to get big and and in the back of the end zone there, get his feet down for the touchdown. You know, that's a play that that he said him and Brad Kaya work on a lot. Um, if they notice that the defense is drawn off sides, uh, Rashawn will immediately run just run deep, and Brad will give him a chance to make a play on that ball. Yeah, one thing I it's interesting listening to Rashawn. He's he's had a He's kind of had an edge to him throughout fall camp, you know, talking to him a little bit. And that's not a surprise for, for people that have been around him. And, 
you know, and obviously the injuries that he's had and just kind of things he's had to go through while at UAB. And uh, one, one thing he said after the game that personally, I mean, I, I just really like the mentality. Uh, the reporter asked about thoughts on the game, that kind of thing. You know, he did well, you know, the team did well, things like that. And he just said, it means nothing. Uh, we expect to do that. And, and I think that's a great mentality. I, you know, I think sometimes this team needs to have that mentality of they're expected to do well and, and not just um, get wrapped up in their own success. And I, I think that's a great mentality. And, I, and that's how fans should feel too. You know, it was something that Miami expected to do uh, against that kind of an opponent and, and move on. But uh, another thing with Rashawn too that was good to see is he was able to get downfield a little bit. It was a concern of mine heading into the the, the season. I you know I want to see receivers catch the ball downfield, and Rashad made a ni- nice play, 38 yard catch there. Uh, he also caught a flea flicker, which I, the flea flicker was interesting just because you typically you typically don't see that yeah. against those kind of opponents. Personally, I didn't like to see that. I don't know why you'd break that out and uh, that early. I mean, maybe maybe they're just trying to give Nebraska something else to, to think about. To yeah. Think about on film. Do you think? Uh, I mean, I know we're both high on Rashawn and and what he can do this year. Do you think he can kind of keep this going? This this type of yeah, production? absolutely. I mean, he was a guy. I mean, we talk about guys in high school um, and kind of what we think of them back then. I know we both uh, liked what we saw from Rashawn. I know there's a story there from what we saw of him in high school, but yeah, I think he's a true number one in the sense that I think he's their best receiver. I think he's a guy that can do this consistently. Of course, everyone wants to know about. You know, well, he, he can be good, and but he hasn't been healthy, and sure, he hasn't. Um, you know, and he's trying to do some things to to st- uh, to stay healthy. It's going to be, you know, he's. Uh, I think a lot's made. You know, he's been drinking milk, and that's been a big thing. But I think the the one thing I was curious about, and I even asked him after the game, but he's he's learning how to fall differently, and and maybe not take those punishing hits, especially on his shoulders, who uh, he's had issues with. So uh, he can stay healthy. He's going to be good. He's their toughest receiver. He's the guy that can make the most plays, and he's just a sure-handed guy and he seems and he does he's got a good rapport with 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 brad kaya yeah i think you know like you said he's the number one guy this year at receiver and uh certainly seems like brad knows it and brad's going to be targeting him a lot throughout this year and i think if he does stay healthy i think he's going to be a guy who flirts with that thousand yard mark at miami you know especially nowadays teams just throw the ball a ton more and miami certainly throws it more than they did 10 years ago. So I think, you know, Rashawn can have a big single season here at Miami if he he stays healthy. And, uh, you know, that was certainly something to like. One thing I I found a little curious with Rashawn and just kind of receivers and scheme-wise in general, um, a lot of quick screen type passes. Which we expected, you know, from what we saw in the spring and just... Right. I mean, yeah, they do want to get the ball to Brad's hands quickly because the offensive line can struggle with, with pass protection at times. Uh, I'm just not sure Rashawn is necessarily the kind of guy you want to target with those throws. Yeah, and I think I would have liked to see Again, I said this in the podcast, last podcast. You know, I just want to see them stretch the field. And again, it's not these 50-yard bombs to Dorsett. It's not like that It's when I say stretch the field. I just think they need to be throwing the ball to their receivers a little bit more downfield and the wide, I understand the concept of doing the wide receiver screens and getting the ball to the playmakers, and, and they feel like they can make plays. But you know, just looking over what we've seen last year and recent years, it just hasn't 
generated a lot of big play opportunities like you like they think it would and and you mentioned Rashawn but it's not like Herb is a guy that that is great with the with those with his wiggle and and go and uh, Stacy Coley another one and I just think Stacy and Herb you know Stacy when he's healthy but just I think they can be utilized more on the perimeter or in crossing routes and, and gain more yards that way yeah I mean I think I think the idea of that quick pass is fine I just think it takes a lot of work for that to be successful like I mean a school like Oregon will do that all day and they will have great success but they rep that and work it every day in practice a ton the quarterback gets it out of his hands really fast the other receivers on the field know how to block that situation and that was something that popped up against Bethune I think it was Herb who totally missed a block at one time and I forget who who caught it maybe it was Rashawn and, uh, you know, Rashawn got blown up pretty quickly because Herb missed the block. So, I mean, we'll see if they keep sticking with that kind of thing moving forward. I mean, scheme-wise in general, the offense, I thought, kind of put a lot on the film in terms of, they, you know, their first drive, they went out and had a lot of shotgun. They went out and showed pistol on that first drive. They showed two tight end sets. They showed three receivers in a tight end. They showed four receivers. So they're certainly putting a lot on film for schools like Nebraska and FAU to have to prepare for this week. Uh, I know, Chris, you, you I, I think you, we've talked before that you like the idea of Brad Kaya in shotgun because it seems like he's more comfortable there. It seems like he's more comfortable, and I think you know so much of offense is a, and what you're trying to do in college is just you're trying to maximize uh, your players' ability and, and things that they do well. And I think sometimes when they make transitions, it just takes a little bit longer if they're not accustomed to playing, and especially quarterback is what I'm speaking of, if they're playing a, a, such a different scheme. And there will obviously be adjustments when you get to college from what you were doing in high school, and not everything's going to be exact. But but the way that you know high school football is, is evolving with their – their offensive schemes. I, I think a guy like Brad, who obviously played in the shotgun quite a bit in high school, and he talked about it. He says he's more comfortable there. We, we've seen this in the past with guys like Ja'Cory Harris. Uh, when he was here, he, he was also another guy that was in the shotgun quite a bit. And then when he came to Miami, he wasn't doing that as often. And the adjustment, maybe it just took too long uh, for him. And, and we've seen that with other quarterbacks uh, trying to make the adjustment of a style they're not used to playing. And and I think it's going to be something that we'll see uh, throughout the year. I think they're, I think. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they if you see a lot of shotgun with Miami. I think the biggest key for to make it work is not just Brad, but the running backs have to be able to to run effectively out of shotgun. Because if not, every time they show shotgun, they're gonna you know defenses can stack it as far as like well we'll just uh, guard the pass, we'll anticipate pass and adjust to run, and they won't get anything big. And and you can't have that. You can't have a defense thinking like that. Uh, you've got to be able to have the threat to be able to run out a shotgun to make the shotgun passing game work. Yeah, and two points to that. I guess Brad this week said, um, you know, he was asked about just all the shotgun and pistol looks that they showed against Bethune. And Brad said, yeah, I'm, I'm more comfortable with those looks. I'm a California guy, and out in California growing up, we play a lot of shotgun. And he said, you know, it's it's easier for me to see the field that way. Uh, make my reads and you know just gives the receivers more space too which which makes them comfortable and with the running back situation that you touched on running it out of shotgun I think all three of the running backs that Miami has healthy right now with Joe Yearby and Mark Walton and Treyon, they did it a lot in high school they ran a lot out of shotgun so it's not something that's going to be foreign to them 
you know, I think it's harder to for running backs to run out of shotgun just because you don't get that forward momentum when they have the ball. Um, but yeah, I mean, particularly Treyon and Mark Walton, I think, can can have success running out of shotgun because they've done it so much in the past. Yeah, Mark obviously with Booker T uh, there at a, at a high school, they had a lot of success and they used Mark a lot too in the passing game. That would be interesting to see if Miami can get those guys involved more out of the backfield. It seems like they want to do, uh, it, but you know the key with that is if you get them out there in passing. Um, running routes, that means they're not going to be in for pass protection. And and again, we talked a lot last week about in the podcast, uh, just with the what Miami's offense is going to be able to do with the offensive line. If the offensive line needs extra blockers, they need extra tight ends, they need running backs staying in for extra help, uh, that's going to prevent uh, Brad Kaya from having multiple passing options. So that'll be something that will develop over time. Uh, Trayon Gray, a lot of fans, a lot of, I mean, he just has a lot of fanfare. Trayon, yeah, I mean, everybody, he's fun. everybody likes him. And, and we, you told a story to me when we talked about Trayon last year, just about how his running style and what he prefers. Yeah, Trayon, I mean, last year, I met, well, I, I guess it was more in the spring I, when we talked to Trayon. Uh, you know, I was just talking to him about the adjustment from high school that he had to make. And in high school, he was a, he was a quarterback kind of a dual threat guy he ran for a thousand yards as a quarterback in high school and so he talked about how hard it was when he first got to to miami to run out of the single back and and, you know eye formations just because of the footwork that's required to do that and the steps you got to know to take and, and the timing with all that with taking the ball from the quarterback so he said you know he would he would go over to tropical park and just work on his steps with joe yearby um in his free time just just to understand that the steps that it requires and I think we're starting to see uh Trayon get more comfortable I think I mean it was really fun watching him run at the end of the Bethune game the guy the guy runs hard I mean he he runs he he runs into tacklers and wants to take them with him so I mean I think his running style is going to be interesting to watch develop throughout the season I mean he he brings something different to the table from Mark and Joe. And that's going to be important for him to establish himself as a, a running back that deserves carries, as you've got to be different. You've got to do something a little different than what the other guys do. And you, you talked about his running style. You, you almost looked out of breath, how hard he was running. Yeah. And running into defenders and just a, a real physical guy. And I think, too, he's, I think he's the fastest of the group. Yeah, I don't think I mean, that he's, he's not only just the biggest, he's the fastest. And certainly that doesn't mean he's the fastest we've ever seen at Miami or no. even in recent years, but Mark Walton, you know, again, good speed but not great, you know, he's you smooth. Know, right, that's and, a good way to explain it. And Yearby's more of like a nice cut. He he's an elite cut kind of guy, but yeah, it's top a, speed. more quick than, right. than fast. Yeah. And then where Trayon's got some speed and maybe he can get out there and I think that's going to enable him to earn more carries. Uh and also with Trayon, you got to see him when he was at Carroll City. What yeah. were some things, you know, because he had such a breakout senior season, and it might be why fans have really gravitated towards the unknown of him, or just a rising prospect uh, when he was coming out of Carroll City. What, yeah, what I think he's just, uh, he was just an elite physical talent. Like, he wasn't, he wasn't the greatest thrower of the football as a quarterback. It was kind of just like, I can do the zone read with the running back that's next to me. I'm going to keep the ball most of the time, and everyone on the opposing defense knows I'm going to keep the ball, but I'm still going to be able to get my 
eight, nine yards a pop, and every now and then I'm going to bust a long one on you. So, I mean, Trayon, Trayon didn't shy away from being the guy on the field as a high school player. He was kind of, you know, just that tough Miami-Dade player that everyone loves, just a great football player. And I think one thing, one thing that I noticed that did set him back last year as a freshman, and he admitted this too, was he did he put on too much weight from the end of his senior high school football season to when he arrived at Miami. I think he gained, you know, somewhere close to 30 pounds. So he got here heavy, and he needed to work on his conditioning as well as learning the little techniques that, that you have to know as a, as a college running back. But I think now we're starting to see the potential of Trayon and what he can really bring to this offense. And, I, I mean... I'm excited about it just because he's such an elite talent. So we mentioned Cornell there, Rashawn Scott, 100 yards and a touchdown, big game there. Uh, you know, touched on the running backs a little bit with Brad and, and maybe hit what you saw there in the offense. Are there some other guys, David, that, that thing, you saw that you liked? Uh, well, just talk to talk about the O-line, um, you know, I think they did a good job. It's hard to judge them against uh, a team like Bethune. I mean... There wasn't anything negative that stood out, so that's that's really what you want out of this game. One thing that I did notice was the second team offensive line, uh, and he even he even got some reps with the first team. <clears throat> I saw too was Casey McDermott. I thought he really did a nice job run blocking. Um, you know, he's competing, basically competing with Sunny Adagu for the starting job. He's he works with the the second team left tackle, but it seems like Trevor Darling pretty much has that job locked down. And I thought Casey did a great job uh, against Bethune. He he sprung some runs, and uh, you know just seemed to bring a real passion to the field and to the offensive line. Yeah, there were some. Yeah, it's just interesting to see and how how guys play and how they perform. And and obviously you need these young players to show signs now for when they're going to be able to be used later. As you see right now with the wide receivers, uh, Stacy Coley goes down with a hamstring injury, Braxton Berrios with a knee. Uh, Al Golden has mentioned that they're day-to-day. Yeah, uh, which means I think, I mean, I don't think it's, I mean, this is a total guess by me, but I wouldn't count on them for FAU. I mean, they didn't, they didn't practice early in the week. Um, they're kind of, they're bringing them back slow. Um, so I I would just assume that they're not going to be goes for FAU and they're going to try their best to get them back for the Nebraska game. Yeah, if it, typically uh, when you say when you hear the term day to day in pro sports, especially with baseball, they they talk so much about guys being out day to day. But yeah, you're you're out for a few days, maybe a week, and then you're then you're back. However, with Braxton, you know, just hearing other things that that it could be a little longer. Um, I think he's the one that you're concerned with. But Stacy Coley and the hamstring injury, yeah. you're concerned about it because it's early. You're concerned about it because those kind of injuries can linger. And I had a talk with someone just about hamstring injuries. I always find it curious, you know, not just that they happen, oh, injuries happen, but maybe why they happen. And, and he had mentioned that there's three possible uh, scenarios of why and a hamstring uh, injury would occur. One of it was just, you know, overemphasizing of your workouts and other parts of your body. 
Another thing was, you know, not stretching, obviously, not stretching enough before the game. And then the other one could just be dehydration. So I think those are the three things that you might look at is, you know, why did a hamstring thing pop up? Uh, and, and the thing is, too, you know, again, that can be such a lingering thing. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if, if that's going to be something that holds Stacy back this year. Well, one uh, thing, and he was coming off a year where, where he wanted to get past it. Right. I mean, it it's concerning in particular because it happens so early in the game. I mean, he, he strained his hamstring without really exerting that much effort. So it's, some, it's something he might have been dealing with all camp. Who knows? But, yeah, I mean, certainly it's not a good start by Stacy in terms of trying to get back on track from his freshman year. Uh, and, yeah, it's it's a big deal if stacy has gone. I feel like it's a big drop-off from having that top three of, of uh, Rashawn, Herb and Stacy as your wide receivers, and now one of those guys is is dealing with an injury. Uh, you know, I, I guess Malcolm Lewis is going to be the guy who steps in now. Uh, yeah. He's a solid slot guy. Yeah, there's no doubt it's Malcolm, and and the reason why we talk so much about the, those three receivers with Scott Waters and and Coley is because they really separated themselves at a talent standpoint. They, they've yeah. separated themselves. They can make big plays at any point. Yeah, absolutely. Malcolm is a solid possession receiver, and uh, you know he'll make a tough 10- to 12-yard catch over the middle and go down with the ball, but he'll catch it. So, I mean, yeah, he's he's got to step up this week. So Malcolm gets inserted uh, at an elevated role uh, with, with Coley and Barrios likely out for the game on there on Friday. So we go Scott Waters-Lewis, and now you're down to seven receivers on scholarship as a group. The next four guys, many fans don't know know much about them, uh, just because they haven't done much at UM. They weren't, um, you know, some of them weren't big time guys. But you're talking about Tyree Brady, who was suspended for the opener. Right. Daryl Langham, uh, a big guy uh, that hasn't shown a lot. Right. Demar Jones, and then Lawrence Cager, right. a, a talented freshman. You know, a guy that made the All American game there. I know you were there to see him. What, what do you remember about uh, Lawrence Cager at the Army? Yeah, All-American so game? Cager is, you know, he's your typical six-five receiver that can make some plays down the field because he's so tall and can just overwhelm defensive backs with his size. And he he does well with high pointing the ball. Uh, you know, I I think he still he still has got things to work on before he's necessarily ready to jump in and, and play right away this week. But, I mean, from a talent standpoint, I would say of those four, I would go Cager and Tyree as the, the next two probably out of that group. Uh, personally, I think what what the solution will be uh, is Miami will throw more tight ends on the field. Like, they're not afraid to use Herndon in the slot or Najoku in the slot, or they'll use Najoku on the outside at times. Like in the red zone, they, they want to throw Joku um, some fades. So, And then, of course, you have Standish still, too, who you can put uh, on the line as a tight end. So I think, I think mainly we're going to see more uh, Scott, uh, Waters, Malcolm Lewis, and then after that we'll see more tight ends. And and Golden has said um, this week, following the the Bethune game, that he wants to see the tight ends utilize more. So I expect them to be emphasized in particular this week. Yeah, and I talked about it last week with the tight end production. 
they clearly, you know, when I said I don't think the group's going to perform and, and put up big offensive numbers, it's not by it won't be because of lack of trying. They want yeah. the tight ends. They want to feed them the ball. They they want to use them. Yeah. I just well, they th- they like against Bethune. They gave uh, you know they gave Herndon a deep shot, which Kaya overthrew. Uh, they gave Joku a, a fade in the end zone, which he didn't come up with. And then, you know, Standish had a third down on the first drive, I think, that he converted, and then also the, the touchdown. So, yeah, I mean, they definitely want to get them involved. Yeah, no doubt. And they're going to be on the field. Uh, like you said, I, with the receivers down, you're probably, you're going to see them on the field. And you saw them a lot on the field last time. You know, a lot was made of, you know, walk-on, fullback, Gage Batten, uh, you know, but he wasn't on the field very often no. as a fullback. Just because they want to go, they believe in their tight ends. They believe in uh, the, the H-back position and go in there. Uh, kind of going back to Lawrence Cager a little bit, um, because he's a 6'5 guy, you'll, you'll hear comparisons. Oh, he's the next Tommy Streeter. I mean, everyone likes to compare yeah. current guys to former guys. We saw Tommy a lot in high school at Northwestern, extremely high on his ability. Uh, one, one thing people don't realize was, I mean, Tommy was such a freak athlete with his speed and size and real fluid that I, I don't see the comparisons there other than the height. No, I would, different players Tommy, and different talent. Tommy had more long speed. He was much faster than, than Cager's ever going to be. And Tommy Tommy was a different deep threat. He's the kind of deep threat that you want to hit in stride, whereas Cager can kind of battle a cornerback and, and pluck the ball out of the air. I would say Cager is more similar to like a LaRon Bird type. But I would say Cager has much better ball skills than Laron Bird did. And that's kind of what held Laron Bird back throughout his career. Um, you know, so maybe Cager is similar to like a Leonard Hankerson type. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Cager is not Tommy Streeter, but Cager is certainly talented. Um, he's probably as talented as a Tommy Streeter, but just a different skill set. We talked so much about the offense, uh, you know, some adjustments with, you know, with the injuries with with Stacy and, and Braxton, and then um, some of the things we saw in the running game. We mentioned the offensive line, even the second unit there. We haven't talked much about the defense. They got the shutout, um, yeah. and, and, which is great. You don't want to see a team like that pile up points, pile up yards, uh, which was great to see that yeah. Miami held them down there. Uh, still, in my mind, maybe I don't know how you feel, but just I still think there's question marks about the defense. Sure. And, and to me, the issue hasn't been can Miami hold down teams like Bethune? Can they hold them? You know, teams uh, of that caliber or the lesser quality teams. If you look at, they've done well against them. The problem Miami's gotten in recent years is they, they've struggled to hold down the, the better teams on their schedule. Uh, you know, just and, and win those games because typically those losses have come. You're looking at one side or the other. Typically, you look at it well. It's because of the defense they lost that game. If you're pinpointing one or the other, and I think that there'll still be question marks again because there's not a lot of guys personnel-wise that we're extremely high on that we think is going to be you know just outstanding players at UM. This is going to be in my mind. This is going to be a unit that has to work together and be cohesive and sure. just kind of solid for them to be successful. But you know, again, no points low amount of yards were there guys in your mind that you that you like what you saw from them yeah i mean we we mentioned corn i i thought he had a he had a good day uh another guy who made a big play that i liked seeing uh emerge was rayshon jenkins uh you know he he's a guy who if he can get back to where he was before the back surgery and back injuries that he had that knocked him out last year 
I think he's a guy who should be a starter next to Deion Bush. Uh, and certainly he, he made a play first game out of the gate, so that's good. Got the pick. Um, and I asked Golden earlier this week, you know, how did how did Rayshon do when you graded film? How did he look? Um, you know, the other plays, I mean, the pick obviously always pops to, to fans, and when you're watching it live, it stands out. But how did Rayshon do uh, with the other snaps he got? And Golden said he was their defensive player of the week this week. So he he impressed. Uh, you know, I guess he's he's kind of looking like he's getting back to his old form which I think is good. And, and, you know, Miami needs a guy like Rayshon out there to be paired with Dion. I think it just it makes the defense better. Uh, Rayshon has ball hawking ability, and he, he can be a big hitter. So Rayshon would be kind of my guy. Yeah, and the thing about Rayshon, you know, you talk about how impressive it is for a guy, you know, hadn't played in a while, over 18 months, close to 21 months, gets a pick in the first game, makes a big play. Like you said, he graded out well. Also in fall camp, first scrimmage, it's his first live, so-called live experience in quite some time. He gets a pick, returns it 60 yards for a touchdown. So he's a guy that, for a guy that's so-called making an adjustment, you know, shaking off the rust. Making plays. He's making plays while doing it. So what does that mean for the future? He's a guy, I think, you know, last week you asked me about defensive guys that might step up as breakout players. Rayshon would have been, it slipped my mind, but Rayshon's a guy that, yeah, I think highly of. It was just kind of like Tyreek McCord. Just they're not where they are on the depth chart makes it makes it hard for me to believe that they're going to be able to uh, pass. You know that they're just going to be uh, breakout guys just because of where they're on the depth chart. If the coaches aren't valuing them maybe as much as I think they will be, it's hard to, to pinpoint them as a breakout guy. But on the field, no doubt, Rayshon makes plays and he should be on the field and starting. The thing about Rayshon and kind of getting a starting role, I guess. I mean, Miami does rotate their safeties a lot. Sure, and they will do that regardless yeah. of who's out there. So he he would have to replace Dallas Crawford, who is definitely viewed as the team leader, uh, vocal leader of the defense. And, you know, I just, I mean, like, like we said, Miami rotates their safeties a ton. And uh, one thing I noticed just with the safety rotation in particular is that uh, on third down, most of the, you know, Miami likes to bring in a third down package right. if it's third and passing situations. Yeah, four or five new guys go on the field. So, right. I mean, they bring in guys. So one thing I, I kind of noticed live was that in all those third down situations, they would take Dallas Crawford off the field and they would rotate their other three safeties in that in those situations, whether it's Jamal Carter, Rayshon Jenkins, or Deion Bush. So they feel like those three guys definitely are, are better than Dallas when it comes to uh, playing the pass, you know, protecting the back end, protecting those big plays on third down. Uh, now, does that does their roles grow from that? Because, you know, as Miami starts playing better and better teams, that will challenge them on first and second down with some deep shots. Uh, that could mean maybe Dallas's playing time decreases and guys like Rayshon and, and Jamal's playing time increases. Yeah, and it's definitely something to, to monitor because, like you mentioned, they value Dallas's leadership ability 
and and those kind of things and they want that from a safety uh, just a vocal guy so yeah it'll be interesting yeah you mentioned but they're going to rotate their guys regardless of who's in there they're good. yeah they, they do that at every position it feels like they you know you mentioned the third down package but just in general sometimes it's two series on they'll bring in the next group uh even if it's a linebacker and i find it interesting and and i, I to, to be honest i'm not a fan of rotating so many defensive players in the game uh, at key positions, I per, you know I don't know what the splits are. We've done it before where we break down film and we count reps and yeah. I don't know if it's for example safeties. I don't know if it's a sixty forty split percentage it's wise, even, but yeah. it's pretty close. And and in my mind, I'd like to see the starters, your best players, to be on the field more. I think there's certain positions. I think linebackers. We've seen it when we covered UM in the past. The best linebackers pretty much don't come off the field unless something happens, and that just doesn't happen with this group. This coaching staff doesn't believe in that philosophy. I understand the rotation at defensive line we've seen yeah, that in years course. past yeah yeah you want to beat up an o-line yeah so. yeah, yeah you just keep rotating guys and then the great yeah. miami teams had that they had yeah, the depth yeah. along the defensive line and uh, i know we hear so much about this team having depth along the defensive line your well, thoughts is, is this it- week they get muhammad back right sure. so he was suspended um for the season opener for violating some team rules so this this week against FAU they uh they get Muhammad back Trent Harris you know he he did his job he was steady like we hear Trent Harris led the team in tackles um I watched him a lot just to see what what he would be about against Bethune and he certainly does well with playing his gap and playing his space and 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 making the play when it comes to him um he's kind of ahead of Al-Qadeen Muhammad on the depth chart right now what are you expecting to see? I mean, it's been, I don't know, 18, 19 months since we've seen Muhammad in a game. What are you kind of expecting to see from him this week? Well, if he's a player, let's go. You know, like, let's let's shake this rust off. Yes, there's time. I think at that position, though, it's time to go for him. I think what I expect is if he's a, if he's a player, his impact is going to be felt immediately. He's a guy that showed some flashes as a freshman. Obviously, there's a lot of expectations from him coming out of high school in, in New Jersey there. But I think, you know, it's time. He, you know, you talked about missing all of last season. It wasn't because of an injury. It was because of a suspension. So he's got a lot to prove. He missed the season opener because of a suspension. Muhammad's got to be a guy that uses that, channels it, especially as a defensive player, especially as a defensive lineman, channels it, plays with some anger, uh, some intensity, you know, you mentioned Trent Harris. He's listed on the depth chart ahead of him. Clearly, the coaches talk more highly about Trent than than Quan uh, there. So he's got to use all these things as, as motivation. And when he yeah. gets on the field, he hasn't been on the field. No. When you, you talk, we hear we we talk to so many guys about missing games or missing a season and what that's like. And they, you know, they really re- reevaluate football and what it means to them. And and a guy like Muhammad, you know, we talk to him. He's always had an edge when he talks. Yeah, yeah. So he has that in him. It just needs to be. It can't be about how he talks to us or in the media. It's got to be now. It's got to be game time. Uh, you know, yeah, you've got to yeah. perform. And I think it starts. I think it starts Friday for him. Sure. I think the th- the area I'm looking for Muhammad to make an immediate impact. I'm expecting to see him on that third down pass rush package right because we saw that a lot when he was a freshman right so he should be in that package and he needs to go get the quarterback uh you know first and second down that could be something he grows into as the season progresses but he's a guy that the coaches think can be a top pass rusher for this defense so he needs to be that friday night and uh you know against fau they they're certainly going to need it i think with their 
their strong attack. I mean, FAU can put some yards and points on the board. Yeah, 543 yards last week? Yeah. Uh, they lost 47-44 to Tulsa. Uh, they had four turnovers uh, that they created. You know, they didn't have any on their own. You know, in the six for six in the red zone. Again, the 543 total yards of offense. And they lose. Uh, we've seen, we watch FAU. People might be surprised about that. We know a little bit about their team. We watch them probably more, more often than most Miami fans or people down yeah. here. Certainly, you know, we just, we pay attention to what other teams in the state are doing. Uh, you know, the FIUs at UCF. We, we just pay attention to what's kind of the landscape of college football in, in Florida. Starting with FAU, it starts with their quarterback, Jaquez Johnson. Uh, he's a dual-threat guy. Fan, fans are going to recognize, they're going to think he's in Wildcat because he's 240 pounds. He's now wearing number 32. You don't see that from a quarterback very often. Uh, and, and he changed his number this year for a fallen f- uh, friend from, from high school. So Jaquez is a guy that, that runs the ball. He's going to run. It will be designed runs for him. Uh, they do a lot of uh, option reads uh, with him. Uh, it won't be uh, broken down type plays and he can scramble. Now that happens, but but they do have designed runs for him, and, and that is a big part. And, and don't be surprised if you see him have 15 to 20 carries uh, to try to keep the Miami defense alert and and, and when, you, when you watch them and watching them last week against Tulsa again I, I'd seen him in years past and the last couple of years since he's he's been there but you watch him and you see the 32 back there and I think my the de- the defensive players are going to have to get used to seeing a 32 looking like a guy that can run the ball looking like a running back but he can throw the ball I mean this yeah. guy he has he, a good arm yeah he's got a good arm he throw he can throw for yards he's got a, a few receivers there uh, as well, but uh, Jaquez certainly is a guy that, that has experience and, and has played against other tough teams. He's put up some some big numbers. I know he's had some 300 yard passing, 100 yard rushing games. In his well, career. yeah, I mean, I think I think FAU wants they want to establish the run, and it starts kind of with Jaquez and his dual threat ability. They ran for 300 yards against Tulsa, um, and Jaquez plays a big role in that. Uh, you know, he totaled he gained 113 yards in the game. Uh, and their top running back, Greg Howe, ran for 138. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're going to say Jaquez will hurt a defense in a specific way, what what is he most dangerous with? He's most dangerous, again, he does design runs, but I think he, he's, he's got some creativity in him in the sense of when a play does break down, uh, he's very confident, plays with poise, and he'll make throws. You know, he'll he'll hit a, you know, a receiver making a crossing route that maybe you thought was out of the play, and you know, he'll keep plays alive. And uh, his teammates seemed, you know, just watching him. It's obviously it's certainly not a team that that we talk to their guys or anything like that. But just watching him, his teammates seem to have a, a lot of confidence in him. So he, you know, as he goes, the team goes, kind of thing. And I think you know his ability to again make plays. He can make throws and runs. I think that you know the biggest thing with him is he can do both. Yeah. And if you don't, if he doesn't run, maybe maybe Miami's able to to stop him from running, and and he's not able to get productive should yards. They, should they want to keep him in the pocket? You know that, that's interesting. I, it's tough because you know a, a guy like that can make so many plays. Um, uh, also, but it just seems like he he does he's able to get yards. You know, maybe he'll yeah. be forty to fifty yards uh, against teams with a more talented defense. But he he'll go he can go for over a hundred against some of these other teams. I think a guy a team like Miami will have to be 
ready for that and, and ready for him to to do that. You mentioned Greg Howe. Yeah, uh, what's what does he bring? Cause is he a bigger back? Yeah, he's a bigger guy, buddy. He, his nickname is Buddy Howe there, and uh, he's from Coral Gables High School. I saw him play games in high school. Went to one, been to his practice, saw him, and and. What was interesting about him, I, I was surprised in his recruitment in the sense that it never really picked up. And, and typically, he was a productive back his senior year at Coral Gables, but his recruitment just never picked up like you, you typically see down here. That's not usually – you don't have under-the-radar radar guys. Goes to a big school, big-name school that people know about, and an offensive player that's putting up stats and sizes there. Is so, his speed lacking? What would you well, say? Well, I mean, it's not, it's not an elite speed. Yeah. I mean, let, let's be honest. It's not elite, but it's still – he can pick up yards. I mean, yeah. he's – uh, he was last year in limited time. I think he was over five yards a carry. Uh, you mentioned the 138 yards. That that was at over six yards a clip. So he's a power guy, and he, he's a big guy. And we mentioned Miami running out of shotgun. Florida Atlantic likes to do that a lot too. Even though Howell is a bigger back, yeah, uh, they will run him out of shotguns, and and they've got another running back, Jay Warren, who can make plays. And then they've got receivers. I, I mentioned with Jaquez with passing, but the receivers, you know, Jensen Stoshak is there Caleb Woods is a, a guy that's very athletic and good size and, and then they got Henry Bussey who's a guy that's moving into the slot and, and they, they want to move him around and, and number one uh, he's wearing number one this year but he's a guy that can you know carry the ball a few times and jet sweeps and things like that or or, or get him in the slot and move him around so Shaq is probably Jaquez's number yeah, one guy so I mean, reliable route runner and sure yeah he can he catches the ball I mean, he can go downfield, deceptive speed. Uh, Woods is the more athletic guy that makes the crazier catches kind of a guy, and and uh, people want to see more out of him, you know, FAU fans and, and that nature, just because of his athletic ability is there. But, yeah, Jensen's the guy. He, he's their top guy, and he's going to have to be uh, contained for Miami. And if Miami's able to hold him back, uh, for me and what I know about FAU, they just don't seem to have a lot of depth at receiver yeah. after those guys. But I think... You know, if they're able to keep Stoshak down now, now it becomes interesting. And now, will we see Jaquez? Where will he throw the ball? How so, fast do they play? What do they play with a, a fast pace? Yeah, they or? play at a good tempo. You know, it's something that they they definitely want to run plays. They believe in their offense and they want to get it and go. And and uh, again, they've got the offensive coordinator seems to have a lot of confidence in Jaquez. So it seems like they just want to get it and go. And and and. Because Jaquez is experienced, and they've had some other guys that have experience, they're able to be, you know, maybe at this time they're clicking a little bit better offensively than maybe what you what you expect from a team like FAU. And uh, Miami's got to be on their toes. They've got to be ready uh, defensively, and um, it, it should be a great atmosphere. You're talking yeah. about, you know, typically when you hear Miami FAU, uh, but but it's there. It, it's their, in Boca. It's their biggest game, home game in program history. Yeah, you know? which mean, is an amazing it, statement for them. But it doesn't get bigger than this. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I still expect to see plenty of Miami fans in the stands, but I'm sure the FAU fans that will be there are gonna gonna have it rocking. Um, so it should be a fun atmosphere. I think, you know, obviously, you know, judging by the first game, it seems like FAU's defense is kind of iffy at the moment. So, I mean, I, I fully expect Miami should still handle their, I mean, handle their business against FAU, and they should still win comfortably. Uh, but FAU's offense will test this Miami defense some, I think. I mean, it's a good little first test going into Nebraska, I'd say. I mean, there's there's probably some similar more similarities there than you'd think. 
Yeah, and again, you take the names out of it. But yeah, the offense will get will challenge Miami. Uh, FAU's got a defensive player in Carvon LeBlanc, uh, one of the best uh, secondary guys in, in their conference, and he's a guy that people know from high school. Uh, Glade Central there. He had a pick last week. He's a guy that you know could have a career where he gets drafted uh, yeah. there in the secondary. So he's a guy to watch. Number seven there in the back. He's their best defensive and player. Coach Golden is he's really praised FAU secondary in particular. He says you know they're 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 definitely a, a group that that they got to be aware of. Um, so they will they will definitely challenge Brad and and you know Miami's uh, receivers that they're going to be putting out there with with you know Barrios and, and Coley injured so my FAU will, will certainly challenge Miami in some ways but again I mean I think Miami should handle their business and should win relatively comfortably yeah it should be comfortable and uh, it should be a good atmosphere it's something that we always enjoy going to covering games we've been to a lot of good atmospheres uh, around the country we've been able to travel to some games and, and and check those out so hopefully it's a good atmosphere up there in Boca uh, you can check out we'll, we'll be there covering it you can be sure to check out inside the u.com afterwards uh, we'll have player articles again and, and videos and things like that photos from the game and uh, just keep checking out the, the inside the U uh, and be sure you know the podcast uh, this is something that we're doing we want to reach out to fans so be sure to share this and download it like it whatever you got to do uh, we, we definitely appreciate it uh, getting the word out more about this podcast it's something that we, we we're, we're interested in doing uh, long term for you guys and uh, we're, we're going to keep pumping them out weekly. Um, and also, again, on Twitter, just a reminder, on, you can find us on Twitter at Inside the U. And, uh, well, thanks, thanks again for listening. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. Thank you.